You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hello, all of you out there. This is Bradley Martin, and I'm here to talk about the first age of men and elves and the dominant tyrannical rule of Morgoth. In case you're unfamiliar with that name, we're talking about Lord of the Rings on Amazon, and it's the Rings of Power. And I'm going to get into a very quick synopsis, because the lore of this show could go on for, uh, as the Numenere would say, days, years, centuries to tell. So there was this epic battle... Uh, that spanned uh, years, decades, centuries. In the first age, Morgoth, evil, wickedness across the land, defeated by the elves, the people that rose up against his tyranny. Balrogs are of Morgoth, for a reference there. Uh, the Balrogs, of course, fled underground and hid away when their dark master was defeated. Like much evil in our real-life world we live in, it's never truly stomped out. And some of Morgoth's servants, they survived. In the Second Age, which is what the Rings of Power is based in, Galadriel and her navy seals of elves, you know, super warriors, are looking to hunt down those types of uh, traitors. Uh, Sauron in particular, Galadriel's got a white whale in this show, specifically Sauron. She wants to find him, kill him, parade his body around, be like, and I've restored peace to the land. Now, the other elves, however, such as Elrond, her good buddy, and Lord Celebrimbor, an excellent smith, and, of course, the High King Gilgalad, who is the High King, says, maybe we give peace a chance. Maybe if there's still evil around, we wait till it pops up and then deal with it. Why waste uh, what time we have hunting down what we have defeated. Galadriel, you're a total hurt locker situation right now. Go into the lands of the Undying and take a freaking Xanax. Now, Galadriel agrees to disagree. Meanwhile, in Numenor, the Queen Regent, using a palantir, sees the destruction of her city. Captain Elendil, Farzan, uh, Arian... Isildur, that's a name that sounds familiar. Dropping a little Easter egg character from the trilogy that we all know. They all have to deal with this. And possible invasion at their doorsteps. Now, how do we know there's an invasion? Well, there's a Southland woman named Bronwyn with her son Theo. And their kind of super best friend, Erendir, who is an elf pretty much escapes an encampment of Uruks 
and warns the people that an invasion is coming to your door and we will all be held responsible. Where are the dwarves at in all this? Well, our, our buddy Elrond here from the original trilogy, he's been sent to speak with some dwarves who are master smithies, maybe even more than Celebrimbor, but don't let him hear you say that. He'll flip out, freaking diva. He visits his friend Prince Durin the Fourth. Durin, again, another epic name from Lord of the Rings. His wife, Princess Disa, invites Elrin into their home, and Elrond slowly begins to untangle what the dwarves are doing. And whether or not it's nefarious is up to you, viewer. I personally don't think it's nefarious at all, but the politics that dwarves have with elves and elves has with dwarves is on shaky ground as these dwarves continue to dig deeper into the mines of Moria. Furthermore, Galadriel and her adventures hooks up with a man from the south. His name is Hallbrand. Where did he come from? Why is he so handsome? Why is he so talented at fighting? There's a mystery afoot on who he is. Speaking of mysteries, a man falls from the sky like a comet to earth. Is he here to do good? Or is he another servant of Morgoth? What's left of those? Nori Brandyfoot finds him, befriends him, and her and her caravan of Harfoots travel Middle-earth, trying to teach him to be a good, decent person, and the power of friendship. This is the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, which of course we all know the rhyme, are created, but in secret, by Sauron, an ultimate powerful ring is created to rule them all, and in the darkness, bind them. Thank you for listening to that synopsis. With me to actually get into the acting, directing, amazing special effects, huge budgets of this show. Someone who would always put out a flame of Undune if they saw one. Neil is with us. Hello. And I have someone who just might give all of them, Dwarven and Elven Smitties, a run for their money. The very powerful and strong Ryan is with us. Hey, hey, hey. This is a very lore-heavy show, which I think is why so many people love Tolkien's work. Eight episodes on Amazon. Billions of dollars, it looks like. The screen is oozing with these beautiful effects. How did y'all like Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power? So, okay, so I, I guess I guess I should preface this and say that I, I do I love Lord of the Rings. I But I, I would call myself more of a, a fan of the original trilogy. I, I've read the books um, back in the day, back in, back in high school, and really enjoyed them. But I, I, I don't know. This, this show, I, I think, has a lot of really bright spots. And I, I, there were some storylines in it, especially the, the storylines with the, with the Harfoots and uh, specifically Durin, the one with Durin and Elrond that I, I really loved a lot of things about. Uh, but overall, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it is, it is very long for the story that it's trying to tell. And it took me a while to get invested in a lot of these storylines. And by the end of the season, it, it fell, it fell a little flat for me. And 
that that's not saying there aren't incredible things about it, but it just I, I guess as a I, I would probably call myself more of a casual Lord of the Rings fan. It, it just it didn't quite work for me, and I I really really did wanted to love it. I don't know how you all felt. I would say I'm slight maybe capital C casual Lord of the Rings. I don't know the lore in and out, uh, but I'm a fan of it. I've watched the original animated. Um, the director's cuts, I've read those two book series of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but not the pieces going into what this show mined from. But I did enjoy this season quite a bit. It looked and felt and sound sounded as yeah. Tolkien, like, just, it's part of this universe. The way they shot For it, sure. I it did not feel like they mimicked Jackson's approach to those other six movies, but... It sure felt like it was – he could have been on set helping them. Like they shot on location. They didn't rely on green screen when they didn't have to. The costuming and the makeup and the effects were all on point. But there is a lot to digest here, a lot. And we just – they just cracked open this this era and were assaulted with a ton of characters and what we're supposed to know or not know. And the show does a decent job. The way it still feels like those movies is they'll throw around names of locations and rivers and such. Like, you're supposed to just know them. And it's an elf saying yeah. it quickly with an accent. And you're like, uh, wait, where's that again? Like, but we're supposed to know it. And that's the, the originals were all guilty of that, too. Like, oh, these are the minds of Moria. Don't know shit about them yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I really enjoyed the the dwarves. We didn't get enough of them. Uh, the Harfoots were interesting. I think we got plenty. Um, we get introduced to the humans of the Southlands, but once part of their story is done, we don't touch base with them for like the last two episodes. So it feels like, to me, the ending lands mostly solid, but there's some loose ends that they just don't touch base with. And we know they're getting a season two. It's been said it may take a while to get here. So there's there's these things kind of dangling out there that I wish they would have tightened up a bit. But overall, I enjoyed this. It felt like the universe. This show got assaulted. The first half of the season was for being woke. And that that was countered a bit with people quoting more and more lines of Tolkien, of of hobbits and elves of darker skin. The second half of the season seemed to be assaulted by lore. Oh, they're getting the lore all wrong. They're truncating. They're doing this. That wasn't the way that was supposed to be. And I think the show came out on the other end still just fine. Um, fending off all those assaults. Um, we'll see. I, I am recommending it. Most of my friends have already watched it or are only an episode behind as it is anyway. So Those criticisms, which it's it's so weird and just frustrating that you, you can't talk about the show without even addressing these like fucking insane people. We, we should do our best to make sure that... Uh... They, they don't have a voice in this regard, in my, at least in my sure, opinion. Sure, absolutely. So I'll start off by saying I was pretty worried about watching this show. Uh, Galadriel has a brother, and Galadriel, being a freaking badass war hero, she's played by Morphin Clark. If you have a Shutter account, or I believe it may be streaming on other platforms, St. Maud, one of my favorite movies of, I believe it was 2019, incredibly disturbing. Very upsetting. Also, she's Beth in Crawl, much more accessible. Brilliant actress. 
I was over the moon seeing that she got cast for Galadriel because she's also quite stunning, as the elves are known to be, and she has complete control of her emotions, as Galadriel is known to be. I digress. I love that Galadriel is playing the I've been a soldier for a thousand years, give or take, and now y'all are just being like, okay, no more, no more of that. That is such an on-topic theme that so many people must be dealing with right now in our current climate. So the delivery of her lines like, there's still a storm in me, and why don't I feel good about there being peace? You all are so happy, and I'm like, is it real? It doesn't feel real to me. These are actual... Very nuanced, the acting of her struggling with, well, if I'm not a soldier, who am I, for lack of a better phrase. And I loved her performance. And her Sauron, her white whale, if you will, being the one thing that keeps her as a warrior and gives her eternal life, being an elf, some kind of purpose, was outstanding. Especially knowing what we know as viewers that, well, there is a Sauron and he is out there, so she's not wrong but her friends aren't wrong to care about her either and say, hey, put down the dagger, pick up the ale, chill out. How did you guys feel about that storyline? It worked well for me. I thought, like, I hadn't thought of the the Ahab versus the whale until you mentioned it, but it's spot on. It is it is straight up revenge. And and she kind of figures that out a little bit by the end of the first season. Because, no, it's about doing the right thing and it's about honor. No, no, no. It's it's not. Your brother fell to this. You're not done. And you're not. And to be able to hold on to that for hundreds of years to the point that your devout followers are less devout. And we, we see that early on. And I think she nailed it. This character was very driven. Even the later versions we see are, is this. I think it fits completely. She crushed it. She's one of the highlights of the season for me. The character and the actress uh, for Galadriel. Yeah, I thought, um, I think her name's uh, Morphid Clark. I, she absolutely killed it. She really captured that character really well for me. And what, what, I, what I also really appreciated is toward the end of the season, there were, there, were, there were a couple moments where they sort of have you questioning whether she maybe is going too far when she's talking to some of the, uh, some of the some of, I don't want to spoil anything, but some of the more villainous uh, characters. Like, there are a couple moments like that. So she's, she is this, like, incredible uh like sort of wounded warrior who just can't stop and has to keep going and is really good at what she does but there are still like i I don't know she's still having to question what she's doing at points which i really really liked a lot so we also have arendir he is our elf ranger a lot of badass action scenes in this show they a lot of people say they're too far paced you know Maybe we deserve more of them because they're so fun to watch. He brings a lot of them being like this elf, as I said, a ranger, for a lack of a better term. And he's kind of got the hots for a a Southland woman named Bronwyn, played by Nazanin Bonadai. And they're kind of being tormented by our first villain of the series, Adar. But he's playing uh, probably the most interesting villain in Lord of the Rings lore that I've seen since the original trilogy. 
so many of the opposing side is just, you know, ah, I'm an orc, maggoty bread, I want to eat a person type of thing. And his type of villainy is more, well, I don't want to say sympathetic, but it's a little bit sympathetic. Just how lost and angry this type of character is. He doesn't give grandiose speeches about how all men must die or anything. It's more of a, well, we're coming to kill all of you. So if you could let your people know, the whole place can be empty by the time we get there. Deal? And that sort of villainy, like, ooh, very cool villain. Now, of course, there is a love, a very burning, deep desire that Arnandir has for uh, this woman, Bronwyn. Uh, this is a family show, of course. So the most you see is, like, what would you guys say, 15-year-old afraid to ask his crush to the prom type of stairs? We could, we could definitely we on that level. Smooching. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> but what'd you think of this and how it ties into the overall oh my gosh this was the evil plan all along type of reveal i'm being incredibly vague of course how did the southlands this evil secret villain with his army of Uryx and the numenir go for you that storyline i would agree adars i i don't know if i would have chose sympathetic but actualized like he has yeah, a reason for what he's better. doing versus orcs just killing anything in front of them because sauron tells them to they're the enemy whatever he has a purpose you don't know what it is then you think you know what it is and then you're shown you never knew what it was so uh it's very interesting i hope we haven't seen the last of them because we're not 100 percent sure uh of his fate and that's right. meant to be that way we're not spoiling anything uh we just don't know so I found him really interesting. You know, you've got an elf that's on the other side, which doesn't make sense. We haven't really seen that. And you come to find he's got a reason. And we haven't seen that in villains. So I enjoyed that character quite a bit. It's look, it's feel, it's his yeah. actions. Yeah, and that's that's definitely something that um, that I liked. And I honestly kind of wish we got a little bit more of with this season. And I hope that, I mean... I feel like it's something they're going to explore in the, the, the future seasons of this show. I mean, it's already been, uh, been greenlit for season two, but just, you know, more villains that are a little less like just over the top evil sort of uh, obstacles for the characters to face that are, that are a little bit, a little bit more complex than that. And in, yeah, I, I would agree that I would agree with you, Neil, that maybe if, if he's not like sympathetic, uh, he's just a little bit more actualized and you understand uh, you understand his motivations a little bit better than than most villains in a series like this, and I, I, I did appreciate that for sure. This is a very big show. We got like six or seven storylines we haven't even touched upon. Or I'm just going to ask: Were there any storylines, any through lines, any characters that we didn't cover that you guys were like, got to touch on that? Those were awesome scenes, and that was an awesome little plot. I guess I really. I don't know what I, I really appreciated the the Harfoot storyline because I like in in terms of Lord of the Rings I f I feel like what makes it so good for me is the the storyline with with the Hobbits because they are absolutely just the heart of that story and just bring so much of it it, it, it does so much work for that story um, just they, I feel like they they just bring like the emotional weight to to Tolkien's stuff. 
And it's it's same goes for this series with with the Harfoots. And although I, I feel like they maybe were a little bit under underused for me, and I, I felt like I, I think a lot of the storylines in general just felt kind of kind of stretched a little bit. Um, but I, I really loved um, Nori's character and finding this character, uh, character the stranger who like, essentially crash crash lands near their their village. And she sort of has to, you know, it's that it's that call to adventure, this the same sort of thing that Frodo has. And she has to decide whether to, you know, sort of accept it or not. And as as the series go goes on, you, you sort of see her grow and, and have to make some tough decisions with this character. And I, I, I think that's that's one of the, the, the stories in this that I enjoyed the most and just seeing their relationship grow. And I feel like going into the next season and where they left things off, I, I feel like that's one of the stories that I'm most interested to see, like where it's going to go. Without, I'm trying to be sure, absolutely so spoil anything. Yeah. But, yeah, but I think that's what I'm. I that that was one of my favorite bits. In, uh, this yeah, whole character season. Nori Brandyfoot, played by Markella Kavanaugh, finds the Star Man, as I've been calling him, fall plummets out of the sky, crash lands, doesn't even speak their language yet. The Stranger by Daniel Wyman. Uh, Neil, any storylines we're missing out on that you liked or anything else you'd like to? Oh, I would totally plus one the Harfoot. I mean, the elves are interesting, and Celebrimbor is the most fun name to say. Yeah. But for <laughs> diversity or different, uh, I want more of the dwarves. We get so little of them yes. in yes. Lord of the Rings, but we get a lot more in Hobbits, but we get the, the homeless vagabond. Uh, dwarves here we've got a lot of origin we get the origin of a key mineral of theirs which plays into the lore has played into the lore of fantasy and video games ever since it was introduced mm-hmm. and uh when will they dig too deep and too greedily like are we going to see the first pickaxes going into the dirt for that i don't know maybe but uh, I'm really interested in that because it starts off. Elrond's introduction to them is is really cool, and we just haven't seen d- dwarven society. Sorry, Gimli, you didn't give us any of that. Hobbit didn't <laughs> give us any of that because they're just they're hobos. They're just dwarves out in the world, and we never see their society. This is their society, untouched by anything else. And elven stuff is creeping into it. And there's politics within the politics just in the Dwarven society. So I'm very hopeful we get a lot more of Durin. Yeah, I I, I just wanted to like completely second that. I, I just love the, I mean, like the relationship between Legolas and Gimli in the original trilogy is just so fucking fun. And uh, the, the, the relationship between Durin and Elrond is kind of the same version of that in, in this. And it's just, I think it works just as well. And I feel like, yeah, like I, I would have loved to see more of them. And yeah, just just getting to see I, I, the uh, the the dwarven like strongholds, and um, I think is it Moria? Is that the correct name for it? Yeah, uh, it, they, it they go to Kazadun and they're digging in the mines of Moria. Kazadun, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just that whole like every time it they visited that section, I just got like a I got very excited. I I feel like it's it's just so well done, and I'm I'm just. I could totally watch just a side series about just Durin and Elrond just hanging out and like roasting each yeah, other. And just that same. those scenes were really fun to watch. Uh, I really like that. It's Prince Durin the Fourth by Owain Arthur, the performer. And we have Elrond played by Robert 
Aramayo. Uh, of course, Hugo Weaving, incredible actor, Robert. I thought this would be an impossible task to play Elrond after we've seen him in three movies. Oh, more, if you count The Hobbits. But I think he nailed it. It was so fun to see this man look, you know, as happy as spring, but as harsh as winter. It's in The Hobbit somewhere. So very much enjoyed that. And then you have uh, Durin's wife, uh, Princess Disa, played by Sophia Nomvet. Like, hey, the dwarves have wives. Cool. And she was fantastic. She might have been my favorite. I know nothing about this character type of character from this. Because new is good and change is hard. But it was great to see these new characters and me actually love them. Now we're going to carry that into our final thoughts. Or else we'll be talking about this for days, weeks, months, years. Neil, would you lead us, please? I went in with open eyes, no expectations, no bar set. And from the first episode, this felt like part of the universe. And sure, it doesn't necessarily completely sound or feel like Tolkien because it wasn't and we shouldn't expect it to be. These are not from any of his original writings. This is a quilt piecemealed together and maybe they're jamming timelines, but this season worked. I I think that the last couple episodes, we focused on some bigger stuff and left off touching base with some characters they had got us attached to. Um, that'd be my only real qualms with the season of just just check in five minutes, maybe less, but just check in with these characters they, they had given us. We don't see dwarves for the last several episodes. The Southlands were heavily invested. Everyone but the dwarves is invested in the Southlands for most of the first two thirds of the season. And then it's kind of forgotten about a little bit. But overall, I enjoyed the shit out of this show. Um, and I'm excited for season two. Just maybe not excited that it's going to take three years or whatever they're saying it might take. <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't know that. That's that's wrong. Well, I, that. I think it's the budget, the location, and getting everyone rounded up, blah, blah, blah. $770 million for eight episodes. I can see most of it on the screen there. Uh, and you look at the armor and the, the production values, you can see a lot of it there, too. The special effects didn't feel shortchanged. It lives up to – I would say it lives up to Lord of the Rings – practical and visual effects hobbit's not as strong as lord of the rings in my opinion when it comes to practical and visual effects but this i think is on par with lord of the rings for everything i'm gonna give it eight and a half out of ten suspicious sword hilts ryan yeah so uh there are a lot of things that i i really do genuinely love about this series i i think that like obviously, I, I, the the cinematography is amazing. The sets, the costume design, especially the the music too. Like I, I think that I I totally I I agree with you, Neil, in that it 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 feels like I think even better than the Hobbit trilogy did. It it fits along with Peter Jackson's work, but it doesn't feel like it's just completely like cribbing it or ripping it off in, in, in a way. If that if that makes sense, I guess my and I I think there's a whole aspect of this is that's like, I, I'm going to need to see like more of it. I'm need to see a couple more seasons to see like where it goes. And if it feels like a lot of this stuff like pays off because as like, as a more casual fan. And I, I do wonder that 
with, with people who are even more casual than I am, who haven't like marathon the Lord of the Rings trilogy like a bunch of times, is this going to be like engaging enough for them? And I hope that it is and that they're able to sort of correct some things this season. Cause I, I, I did feel like there were there, 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 it was, it was a lot of buildup and there was a lot of sort of mystery box stuff with like, who is going to be X character. And I think that there was a lot of discourse surrounding this show that wasn't the shitty, like, garbage like toxic discourse but the people who did like it it was like who is x character going to be and who is x character going to be and i i hope that as this series goes on it'll, it'll be more about like the, the the characters and and the motivations of the characters and uh just you know i i think that there are a lot of again there are a lot of bright spots in this and i hope that uh i i, I hope that those uh, shine through a little bit more in the, the future seasons. I, I did enjoy this, but uh, I I don't know if I could recommend it to somebody who's not like a like a bigger Lord of the Rings fan. I'm going to give it uh, six out of ten potatoes. Oh, very good. You need those potatoes. Potatoes. You know, potatoes. Stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them <laughs> in a stew. So for me, I love that it looks like Middle Earth. I like freaked out when we saw the shadow of an ent for like two seconds and a lot of people could see that and be like wow easter egg yay but i love this world i love middle earth you guys so all of that did wonders for me we didn't get to see valinar in the uh original films and i'm pretty sure that's the heaven you can physically move to if you're an elf well you can and you can't depending on the age and it was so cool to see that, and the two trees, and the Silmarils, and the, the freaking callbacks when they're talking about lore. And I'm like, I think that's a Glorfindel comeback. I'm a geek. Pretty sure he fought a Balrog once. But I will add, to make my final thoughts a bit unique, I love the horror aspects of this. There's a fight sequence between Arendir and this tenacious Uruk. And it's straight out of Drag Me to Hell what happens in this fight. Very creepy, violent, gross. And there's a couple of horror shots throughout the whole series that you can count on. Especially if uh, Galadriel's about to throw down with some beasts. I'm going to give this one 8 out of 10. Incredibly lame metaphors from your concerned brother. Why does a stone sink but a boat float? Are you serious right now? Get out of here. That was absurd. 